Welcome to Smart Poker Study, brought to you by ThePokerForge.com. I'm your coach, Sky Matsuhashi, and this is the podcast for profitable play and study strategies. Along with those, I give you action steps to take because action is the greatest teacher. My goal is to turn you, my student, into the player that you want to be on your poker journey, one step at a time. Let's do this. Holy cow, I am so excited about today's podcast episode. We have, the past two episodes were uh, pre-flop related, before that a little bit of study related post-flop stuff, right? Or uh, study related poker stuff. But today, we're finally getting to some post-flop audiobook goodness. So not too long ago, I released my book, Post-Flop Online Poker, where I talk everything post-flop, exploiting your opponents, paying attention to the board, hand reading, all that really important stuff like the pre-flop stuff is critical. That sets you up for post-flop success. But this book, I really hit the nail on the head with post-flop strategies to exploit your opponents and earn more profits. And, of course, earn more pots, right? One of the ways that we lose too many profits or too much profits, we lose too many pots, is by calling far too frequently. So one of the chapters, it's Domino 8.2, and the chapter is called Calling, Floating, and Probing. And It's one of my favorite chapters out of the book because I know by looking at all my students' databases, um, uh, 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 filtering for calling on the flop, calling turn, calling river, calling C-bets on the flop, turn a river, betting, and then calling a raise on those streets, my students are losing so much money, at least when they initially come to me. Then we begin working on their calling strategies and and, uh, things just magically, quote-unquote, magically improve, right? Because they're making better decisions. They're not just calling willy-nilly or calling because they hope their top pair is good on all three streets, right? I in the, in the chapter I give you three specific reasons, the only three reasons to call. And then so uh the podcast that you're about to hear is actually almost the entire chapter uh Domino 8.2 calling, floating and probing. So I'm going to go through the three reasons and I'm going to give you good examples of calling with one of those three reasons. And the most important, the most critical part of this is at the end of the audio, you're going to hear one of the action steps from the chapter. And that action step is going to have you practicing making better calls today. So I highly recommend listen to the podcast. Take notes. Of course, you're going to whip out that notepad, right? Take out your poker notepad, uh, take the notes, and then ultimately take action. I really recommend the action step at the end. Do it for three or even five sessions in a row. Practice your better post-flop calling, and I guarantee you're going to be saving money. And when you save money, those win rates in that bankroll starts magically increasing. Okay, let's do it. Gambate. Everybody just stay calm. I can handle this. No problem. I know how to deal. License and registration, please. What seems to be the officer problem? Chapter 18, Domino 8.2, Calling, Floating, and Probing. In the last chapter, you learned profitable raising and sensible folding strategies versus C-bets. Now we'll discuss calling C-bets and what to do when your opponent checks instead of C-betting. Remember that facing a C-bet means you call the player's pre-flop raise, so calling the flop is showing a second sign of liking your hand just enough to commit some chips, but probably not liking it enough to raise and build the pot. Calling C-bets Aggression wins in poker, but what does that mean for the passive play of calling? Well, just the opposite. 
Calling does not win in the long run. Calling is hopeful poker. Most calls are made in hopes of winning at showdown or in hopes of hitting a strong hand on the next street. Are you the type of player who calls too frequently? Take a look at your call flop CBET statistic right now. Is it near or greater than 50%? If so, you're likely a calling station and you're giving your opponents way too much value. Do not treat calling as a default. That's how the fish play, and it's what makes them the marks at the table. I want to make sure you grasp the value of aggressive play over passive play, so let's run some numbers. Compare your CBET calling win rates versus your CBETing win rates. Filter through your most recent 20,000 hands or more and fill out the table that you can see on figure 111. You're going to filter for CBET flop, CBET turn, and CBET river separately and record the win rate and the number of hands. You're also going to filter for call flop CBET, call turn CBET, call river CBET separately. Record the win rates and the number of hands for each. Now I can't know what your win rates are, but if you've been working through the action steps in this book, you're more profitable across all streets as the aggressive CBETer versus being the passive CBET caller. Figure 112 in the images page shows my own results over the most recent 21,294 hands that I've played. As you can see, I'm much more profitable on every street when I'm the aggressive CBETer. Plus, on each street, I make more CBETs than I call CBETs. This is the hallmark of an aggressive player who knows that calling is merely hopeful poker. If your win rates when calling are negative on every street, and especially if the number of calls made are about equal to or exceed the number of CBETs made, you are the fishy mark at the table. This entire book is helping other people earn chips from you. However, just because calling is less profitable, that does not mean we must fold to every CBET. There are three profitable reasons to call CBETs. Reason one is you hold a value hand. Reason two, you see an opportunity to bluff later. And reason three, you hold a good draw and the price is right. I'll discuss each of these three in turn right now. For each of them, I'll give you an example and I'll ask you two questions. One of those questions will be a version of the ultimate question. Try to answer the question before hearing my answer. Reason number one to call CBETs. You hold a value hand. Your hand is ahead of your opponent's range, and you don't want to build the pot just yet. You also have little reason to suspect that they're drawing to a better hand, so there's no immediate need to raise and charge their draws. Or your hand is incredibly strong, and you don't want them to know just yet. If they suspect you have a weak hand due to your call, you may gain more value from future bets. Here's the example value calling hand. And you can see what this situation looks like in figure 113. Here are the hand details. Villain 1 opens to 3 big blinds in the cutoff. It's folded to Hero in the big blind, who calls with King of Clubs, Jack of Clubs. Flop comes down, King of Diamonds, 8 of Hearts, 8 of Clubs, and Hero chooses to check. Villain 1 c-bets 2 thirds pot for 4.3 big blinds, and Hero elects to just call instead of check raise with his top pair good kicker hand. Question number one. What is villain C betting two-thirds pot on this flop? 
there are many hands and villains range that fit the bill for seabedding here, on the King 8-8 board. Any top pair or better? Any pocket pair on this hard-to-hit chicken board? Ace-high hands in hopes that hero folds? Backdoor flush and straight draws that villain wants to semi-bluff with? Question 2. Why would hero elect to just call with top pair on this board? There are a few logical reasons to just call. First, it's a hard-to-hit chicken board, as we learned from Domino 6.3. This means that Hero's top pair good kicker is likely the best hand right now. Next, there aren't any draws available on this board, so Hero doesn't need to worry about charging them. And lastly, Villain is a double barreler, as evidenced by his C-bet stats. 88% on the flop, 100% on the turn. So calling now will allow Villain to continue bluffing on the turn and potentially the river. Raising on this flop will alert him to the strength of Hero's hand. Certainly, if Hero did not hold a pair, perhaps if he had just called preflop with Queen Jack suited, this would be a good opportunity to bluff check raise given those three points just mentioned. Reason number two to call C-bets. You see an opportunity to bluff later. It's important to note that if you're planning on bluffing, Normally, the sooner the better. As the streets go on and c-bets and calls are made, the pot is growing. Waiting until later to bluff could decrease the SPR enough that your opponent feels pot committed and won't fold to your bluff. If your opponent will fold their c-bet to a raise or a check raise now, you're better off doing that instead of calling and bluffing at the larger pot later. However, sometimes your opponent won't fold their c-bet to a raise on this street and instead you see a better opportunity to bluff them later. This often takes the form of making a float or pro bet on the turn or river. I'll discuss each of these plays next with examples of favorable spots to attempt these bluffs. First, floating. A float is often thought of as calling on a street with the intent to bluff on a future street. But Poker Tracker 4 has a different definition for the float bet. Here it is. A float bet is an in-position bet when the preflop raiser checks instead of making a c-bet. For example, you called an under-the-gun raise on the button. The flop is dealt and your opponent checks instead of c-betting. This display of weakness convinces you to make the float bet to take it down now instead of checking behind and seeing the turn for free. Float bets are very profitable plays. The preflop raiser showed weakness by checking in a spot where strong hands are c-betting almost every time. We must often pounce on this display of weakness. However, before making the float bet, consider how likely your opponent is to fold. Can you name hands in their range that are check and then folding here? If you can name a lot, great! Make the bluff float bet. Are they a flop honest player with a small flop c-bet, especially when out of position? Less than 40% is great, and less than 50% is good. What's the player's fold-to-float statistic on that street? Over 60% is great, over 50% is good, and expect to call if it's below 40%. You can normally find this statistic in a HUD pop-up. What's the player's flop check raise statistic? This must be in one of your HUD pop-ups. Anything over 20% indicates a check raise bluffer, and less than 10% indicates a value check raiser. Example hand floating. You can see this situation in figure 114. Here are the hand details. 
Villain 26 opens to three big blinds in the MP. The cutoff folds, and Hero on the button calls with Jack of Diamonds, Ten of Diamonds. The blinds fold. Villain 26's out of position C bet stats, taken from a pop up, the flop C bet is 85%, 11 out of 13 instances, and turn C bet, 40%, 2 out of 5. The flop comes the Jack of Clubs, Six of Spades, King of Clubs, and Villain 26 C bet's two thirds pot. Hero calls the flop C bet with the plan of floating most turn cards. The turn comes the Ace of Diamonds, and Villain 26 checks. Hero makes a float bet of about half pot, and Villain folds. Question number one, what is Villain checking on the turn? There are many weak hands in this tight aggressive Villain's range that can check when out of position here. Any non-ace pair, something like King-9 could even check and then fold here. Gut shot draws are checking, under pairs to the board, potentially weaker flush draws like 7 or 8 high flushes and all suited connectors and gappers with no draw. The second question, what were the indications that a float bluff would work in this hand? There are a few indications. First, Villain is turn honest. His C-bet stats when out of position dropped from 85% on the flop to 40% on the turn. Of course, the lower the turn C-bet stat, the better, but this large gap of 35% indicates floating is a positive EV bluff to make. It's a scary turn card. Player C-bet flops quite often with an ace. However, they normally barrel the turn when an ace hits to give them a top pair hand. Villain's check indicates he didn't hit that ace, so it's a scare card that is likely to get him to fold. Villain 26 is out of position. Tight aggressive players like this are always concerned with position, and if he calls Hero's turn float bet, he's handing Hero one more street of positional advantage. Position, position, position has been drilled into every tight aggressive player's game, so much so that they have a natural aversion to being out of position. Your float bet takes advantage of this. If Villain 26 calls or raises, that would indicate he holds a strong hand and Hero can play accordingly. Probing Most players use the terms probe and stab interchangeably. It's basically just trying to take the pot down after your opponent checks behind on the prior street. Poker Tracker 4 makes an important distinction, though. A pro bet is made out of position on the next street after the preflop raiser checks behind on the prior street. For example, you call a raise from the player on the button while you're in the big blind. The flop comes, you check, and the button checks behind. Because of his positional display of weakness on the flop, you decide to probe out of position on the turn. It's important to note that when probing, your goal is to take down the pot, so you must size your probe to the player's pain threshold. Probe might sound like making a tiny 1-3 to three big blind bet in hopes they fold. Nope, that is not good enough. You have to hit their pain threshold, so go at least half pot, but even two-thirds or three-quarter pot as necessary to earn the fold you're looking for. Probe betting is a very profitable play in general, because the preflop raiser's check behind shows more weakness than usual due to their positional advantage. Sure, he could be slow playing a monster or pot controlling with a decent hand, but passing up on flop value isn't normally how most players play their strong hands when in position. We don't want to make the probe bet every time, though. We must consider the following before probing. First, 
always be able to name hands that can fold versus your probe bluff. If you can't name any, consider checking again. Second, target flop or turn honest c-betters. Most players are less honest in position, so finding honest ones can be tough, but when you do, you've got to take advantage of them. And third, what is the player's fold to turn or fold to river probe statistic? Click on the necessary HUD pop-up to see this. Over 60% is great, and less than 40% means you must expect them to call your probe bet. Here's an example probing hand, and you can see this in figure 115. Here are the hand details. Villain 38 opens to 3.5 big blinds from under the gun. Their race first in from under the gun is 11%. It folds to our hero who elects to call in the small blind with the ace of spades king of hearts. The big blind folds. Hero is heads up, out of position on a flop, of 7 of diamonds, 10 of clubs, 2 of hearts. Hero checks and villain 38 c-bets exactly half pot. Planning for the future, Hero takes a look at Villain's turn on his c-betting stats. He sees that Villain's flop c-bet is 70%, which is 7 out of 10, and turn c-bet is 33%, 1 out of 3. Hero decides to call in order to probe the river if Villain fails to double barrel and just checks behind the turn. The turn pot is 16 big blinds, and the 3 of spades hits, making the board 7, 10, deuce, 3, rainbow. Hero and villain both check. The five of diamonds hits the river, making the final board. 7, 10, deuce, 3, 5, rainbow. Hero once again holds just ace king. Hero follows through on his plan and makes a probe bet of three-quarter pot. And villain 38 folds. Here's the first question. What is villain checking behind on the turn? There are many weak hands in this fish's range that do not want to commit more chips to the pot. Any overcard hands are probably checking in hopes of hitting a river pair. Any underpairs, fours, sixes, eights, and nines. And any straight draw hoping to see a free river. The second question, why was probing the river a positive EV plan on the flop? There are a few indications of this. Number one, it's a baby card board versus a villain with a small, high card heavy EP open raising range. Next, this is a turn honest villain. Remember, his c-bet dropped from 70% on the flop to 33% on the turn. Even though it's a small sample, it is indicative of their style of play. Next, the flop c-bet didn't scream value because it was just half pot. The fourth point, there are plenty of overcard hands in villain's range that would fold on this board. And lastly, if an ace or king came at any time, Hero could now potentially make a change of plans and go for value. Reason number three to call c-bets. You hold a good draw and the price is right. Do not just call because you have a draw. That's what those fishy marks do. Your opponent is setting a certain price to call, so make the call if you've calculated the break-even point and how frequently you'll hit your draw. You've got to have standards if you want to profit in this game and the break-even point for calling is a perfect place to draw a line in the sand. Of course, you have the opportunity to raise with a draw. This is often a great option, if they're capable of folding to your raise right now. In case they call, you can still hit your draw and go from bluff raising to value betting on the next street. Here's an example hand 
where we are calling on a draw, and you can see this in figure 116. Here are the hand details. Hero open raises from under the gun to three big blinds with ace queen of hearts, and the loose aggressive villain makes a min three bet to five big blinds. It's folded to Hero, who only has to call two big blinds to see the flop with ace queen suited. Hero makes the call after looking at villain's three bet stat, which is 29%, or two out of seven opportunities. Villain also has 100% flop and turn C bet stats. The flop comes Jack of Hearts, Two of Spades, Two of Hearts, giving Hero a flush draw plus two overcards for 15 total outs. Hero checks and Villain C bets, but at less than half pot. It's only 5.4 big blinds into the 11.4 big blind pot. Hero knows that with 15 outs, he's going to hit one of them on the turn about 30% of the time. He estimates the break-even point on calling 5.4 big blinds to win a total pot of 22.2 big blinds to be less than 25%. Hero calls with this good price. The turn brings the 8 of hearts, making the board Jack of hearts, 2 of spades, 2 of hearts, 8 of hearts. This gives Hero the nut flush on a paired board. Hero checks. Villain bets half pot and Hero check raises 2.5x for value. Villain folds and Hero wins a 44 big blind pot. Here's the first question. What is Villain C betting less than half pot on the flop? This is another chicken board, but with position and being a loose aggressive player, there are loads of strong and weak hands Villain C bets here. Full house or better, so holding pocket jacks or pocket deuces. Top pair hands are better. Under pairs any non-paired hand as a complete bluff as well. Basically, Hero can expect Villain to see bet with everything in his pre-flop min 3-betting range. This is a great opportunity to check-raise bluff for Hero, but when the price is right to draw against a loose aggressive player, calling is an absolutely fine play. Question number two. When the turn completed Hero's flush draw, what potential hands could Villain hold that beat Hero's flush? There are only three hands Hero must give some consideration to. Pocket jacks and pocket eights for full houses, and pocket deuces for quads. Other than these, Hero hopes Villain holds a pair, trip twos, or even a weaker flush to give Hero great value. Did you notice something? There was a pattern to all of the examples in this chapter. Facing C-bets necessitates calling a preflop raise. The hands that Hero held while facing C-bets in this chapter were King-Jack suited, Jack-10 suited, Ace-King offsuit, and Ace-Queen suited. There weren't any 9-6 suited, nor Ace-8 off, nor Jack-4 suited hands here. That's because a profitable player doesn't call preflop with such weak and hopeful hands. If you filter through your database and find lots of flop and turn C-bet calls with hands as weak as those I just mentioned, you must address your preflop calling choices as a first step to making better CBET calling decisions. And here are your action steps. Play with purpose number one, calling CBETs for a positive EV reason. Use a tick sheet over your next three sessions to track the reason for every CBET call. Use these three columns, value, future bluff, and positive EV draw. Make a tick under the appropriate column before you click call. Remember that for every C-bet you face, 
you had to first choose to call the raise preflop. Strive to make good preflop calling decisions so you have easier c-bet facing decisions to make. If you catch yourself facing c-bets with ace-8 offsuit, 10-7 suited, and jack-9 suited, you're making poker harder on yourself by playing so many dominated hands. And I've got some awesome poker peeps, some awesome learners to thank for today, right? Graham Richardson, D. Woodward, Brett Burns, Frank Tanner, George Hunt, and Tun Hung all purchased post-flop online poker directly from me. They got it via uh, or uh, with a PDF or in PDF format, audiobook format, or potentially some of them purchased both. Thank you all so much for getting the book directly through me. I really do appreciate it. If you want to pick up post-flop online poker, if you liked what you heard today, you need to read this book. You need to listen to the audiobook. So just go to smartpokerstudy.com slash Post flop online poker. All one word post flop online poker. And thank you very much. Thank you very much for spending some study time with me today, but your learning isn't complete until you go to the show notes page or send a friend to the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod331. And if you want 2021, I know we're three months into it, but if you want this year to be your best poker year ever, you have got to become a member of thepokerforge.com. With eight masterclass courses and a ninth course coming pretty soon, I teach you all the strategies you need for a profitable microstakes journey, and I give you hundreds of useful action steps that force you to practice what you learn. So once again, visit thepokerforge.com for more information and to sign up today. You're going to love being a member of thepokerforge.com. And my other podcast called Daily Poker Tips, that's available wherever you listen to podcasts. And to find a way to subscribe, just go to smartpokerstudy.com slash dailypokertips, and you'll get a 30-second tip every day of the year. Until next time, take action both on and off the felt to become the player that you want to be. (music) 